we are here. I'm going to move right along on part seven of the power of the blood of Jesus. Subtitle is the blood redeems. With that, we'll be cover covering a couple other um, uh, little topics underneath that. So let's get started. <clears throat> you can go back and look in my archives for these the, the full series, starting with one, obviously. So the blood redeems, <clears throat> the blood of Jesus. Let's go into Waymos, a New Testament translation. And I'm going to read uh, three or four scriptures, and then we're just going to bullet point through this whole entire um, part tonight. So, all right, let's go. Weymouth New Testament. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 9. It is in him, through the shedding of his blood, that we have our deliverance, the forgiveness of our offenses, so abundant was God's grace. American Standard Version, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches and grace. Um, the uh, NSAB version. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to his riches of his grace. Amplified. In him we have redemption, that is our deliverance and salvation, through his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. With that, I just want to stop <clears throat> briefly and talk about that the, the blood redeemed us from the curse of the law, meaning in the Old Testament, excuse me, <clears throat> the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy, if you read chapter 26, 27, and 28, you're going to find out in detail what that is talking about. There was the blessings and the curse, meaning when you, when you did not follow what God had Moses <clears throat> give to Israel, to do and not to do, um, then you would end up, um, if you didn't do what he said, then he, you would end up under the curse of the law. But if you, if you obeyed, then you would under, you would be under the blessing. Now, again, this is in the old Testament, which is the old covenant. And God had, if you will, rules, laws, <clears throat> and it was all for, it wasn't so that God could be you know, this ruling God and this mean old bad guy, it was to protect them because when you have boundaries, then you have protection. If you, if you understand um, highways and roads, they, you can clearly see that the road ends on the left and the right side. You can clearly see, you know, the center line of a road uh, by eyeballing it, but they have decided to paint stripes to create um, noticeable boundaries for us as people, because if we go outside of those boundaries, then we can, we'll be hurt and we'll run off the road. We may end up killing ourselves. So God was putting boundaries. That's why the laws were put there. They weren't put there so God could be a big, bad, 
um, wolf. He was there to protect his loving, loving people, Israel. So, but if they <clears throat> stepped out of that, then they were under the curse, which would hurt them. So <clears throat> Jesus, by shedding his blood on the cross, redeemed us from the curse of the law, meaning null and void. It's over, ripped up, it's gone. We are under a new covenant under the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Old Testament, old covenant. New Testament, Jesus, new covenant. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, he is provided redemption. He has provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Psalm 111, 9. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Psalm 130, verse 7. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. We're going to move into the blood sanctifies. And what is that basically saying? Is that God set us apart from the kingdom of Satan. He, once you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, ask him to come into your heart, do something with my life, forgive me of my sins, and then, then you are pulled out, plucked out, and the book of Psalms talks about plucking out of the many waters. You are plucked out of this world, this fleshly system run by Satan. Yeah, and this fallen state, this fallen world, you are plucked out. And you are set apart now from that lifestyle, from that way, from that system. You are now in Christ, in righteousness, redeemed from the curse of the law, in the kingdom of God, while you live on planet Earth in this body. So where was I? Um, <clears throat> where was I anyway? Here, Hebrews 10.10. 10. I hadn't started yet. <laughs> I caught myself. Amplified. And in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified, that is, set apart as holy for God, as his purposes, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed once and for all. Weymouth's translation. It is through that divine will that we have been set free from sin through the offering of Jesus Christ as our sac sacrifice once and for all. Uh, American standards, same King James is the same and the new King James is the same. So with that, we've been pulled out and we've been set apart. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he gave his body and he shed his blood. He gave his body. It was an offering. It was, well, we'll get into that later. <clears throat> so Hebrews, uh, nine 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself 
without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He was that pure, <clears throat> he was that pure, uh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, he was that pure offering. He offered his body, he offered his blood, and he was pure. John 17, 17, sanctify them or set them apart. Them in the truth. Your word is truth. Whose word? God's word. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Jude 1, 24. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling. I love that. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Uh, Leviticus 28. Keep my statues and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, sets you apart. Hebrews 13, 12. So Jesus also suffered out. Listen to this. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. That is powerful. Hebrews 2.11, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Hebrews 10.10, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. <clears throat> well, there's several more, but I'm not going to get into them. So the blood sanctifies. The blood sets us apart from this world, puts us in the kingdom of God. Holiness, you, well, let's get into the righteousness. The blood has made me righteous for he made him who knew, knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians 5, 21. I have being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as appropriation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Romans 3, 24 and 25. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He has made him who knew nothing of sin to be sin for us in order that in him we may become the righteousness of God, amplified. He made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin in our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him, placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. In 2 Corinthians 521, <clears throat> what are some of the things that we can expect from God when we follow Jesus? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And these are some of the real quick, some of the blessings when you choose this way. Uh, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry that any will lack of needful or desirable elements. Proverbs 10, we're in verse six. Blessings crown the head of righteousness 
and not the curse, but the blessing. What's yes. Okay. Verse seven, the memory of the righteous will be a blessing. Verses 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many. 31, the mouth of the righteous bring forth wisdom. 32, the lips of the righteous knowing what is fitting. Verse 16, the wages of the righteous bring them life. 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. He adds no trouble to it. Verse 24, what the righteous desire will be granted, <clears throat> the recompense, return, and yield of all of our labors brings prosperity that is valuable and abundant. There's no lack in the kingdom of God. And verse 25, the righteous stand firm forever. <clears throat> There's more, but I'm going to let that go. That's the blood has made us righteous in Christ Jesus when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and gave his body up for an offering, <clears throat> his blood and his body died for all the forgiveness of the entire planet. That means you, if you were the only person, he would have done the same thing for you or me. No matter what you've done, he died for sinners there were no Christians at that time. This is becoming the new covenant, but it was not yet. But once he did that, now all that were sinful under the Adam nature back in the garden of Adam and Eve, when he gave our world away to Satan, when him and Eve pulled away from God, rejected God and followed Satan, he gave up the title or the warranty deed to our planet and he handed it over to Satan, a fallen angel, and man lost life. He lost connection with God, and his body eventually died. So God immediately had something in place, and that was his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to get my man back. I created him in my image. He belongs to me. That's my family. I'm going to give everything I've got, and that's my son, and my only son, and I'm going to send him and ask him to go to earth, and he's going to trust me, and he's going to trust the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be placed in a womb of a virgin. He's going to be birthed. He's going to be raised. He's going to be tried. He's going to be tested, and then he's going to start his ministry. He's going to be tried. He's going to be tested. Then he's going to be beaten on the cross, and then he's going to die and shed his blood. And then he's going to go to hell and be tormented and tortured for three days and three nights. And then he's going to trust that the Holy Spirit will raise him back up from the dead. That's what Jesus did for you. Okay, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? All right, so the blood sheds. And you have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood. You have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, King James, you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. What's happening there is <clears throat> you have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in, in your striving against sin. That's <clears throat> talking about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, <clears throat> that was one step away 
from going to the cross. Okay. He had, he had his, his disciples that he strategically placed behind him as he came into the garden of Gethsemane, <clears throat> kind of set it up like the tabernacle and, and, uh, um, he divided his disciples and he left off with three <clears throat> right behind him and asked them to watch. <clears throat> and um, he went into that garden of Gethsemane and he, 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 uh, he sweat blood coming out of his pores. Okay. So he wasn't just fearing what he was going to have to go through with Satan. Yeah, that was there. Of course. Absolutely. But what he was going through was he was going through a spiritual battle in the Garden of Gethsemane, right there is where Adam lost it for us in the Garden of uh, Eden with with uh, Eve, Eden, Eve. That's where Adam lost it all, was right there in the Garden. So what's, what Jesus was doing was <clears throat> he was defeating Satan on his own territory in the Garden and he stood and he prayed and he sweat and he sweat blood and he was pouring blood on that ground, washing that land and that garden. And he took it back to God. That's what was going on in that garden as he was, he was doing in that garden, what Adam should have done in the garden of Eden and could have. Jesus was actually defeating Satan under the old covenant. He was defeating him under the old covenant, which shows you Adam had the same power and the same ability, but he gave it away. I'm sorry. I'm not mad at Adam. Okay. But that's what happened. Jesus had not created the new covenant yet. He came back as a hundred percent man that could be tempted as God, but could be tempted because he was 100% man, okay? Remember we talked about in the last episode that that's why he shed the blood to show that that was the flesh and the water is the eternal spirit. So because there's an occult out there that says he didn't ever come in the flesh. Oh, yes, he did. He bled, but he washed that garden of Gethsemane like Adam should have. So he took that back right there. Because if he, if he didn't make it there, he probably wouldn't have made it to the cross or through the cross. <clears throat> he had a lot, lots of, to go through. With that, we're going to move on to, <clears throat> um, I'm not going to go over that one. The blood forgives. <clears throat> we're going to go into the blood forgives when we're right on time. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. New American standard. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace. Uh, the NASB ver ver version, 1977. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Hebrews 9.22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness <clears throat> the revelation 1 5 from jesus christ who's the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins 
by his blood. <clears throat> okay, with that, where we're at real quick, <clears throat> and we're ending it here, is <clears throat> something, we talked about this in our last, um, our part six, I believe. In the Old, in the old Testament, <clears throat> something had to pay the price for the sins of Israel. That's where the lambs came in. God did not want to kill things and have all this type of power. That's not what it was about. He was such a merciful father that he found a way for Israel to operate and to come back as close to him as he could get them to him at that time through what he had under the old covenant. <clears throat> okay. People could not approach God <clears throat> Because of his pure love. We've talked about this before. <clears throat> in, in the offset of pureness, I'm going to take it into uh, like a drug, like cocaine or heroin or something. You hear that if you get something pure, that can kill you because it's just pure. Well, <clears throat> the love of God, the love of God, we don't know it as human beings. We don't, we've never operated in it. We're working on it, but we've never, we've never operated in full love is extremely powerful. And if you get, if you get, if you see God's face in the old covenant, not the new or the old Testament, if you saw his face or you got too close to him, you would just die. It, I, I, I give the analogy of it's like um, wax around a wick. If if that if it, it just melts, it, it's not that the 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 the, uh, the wick is bad. It's just that the wax can't handle it. Well, that's the way we are as bodies and people is we can't handle that pure love. It'll just destroy you. So God was always looking for a way to get His man as close to Him as He could under the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, and this was the way was through the blood of lambs. And, and sacrifices and offerings so that he could have, he could govern as much as he could his goodness and mercy and protection over his people. That's what that was designed until now, where now Jesus came, like I said, was put in the womb as a seed. He grew, he was birthed, he, he lived 30 years. His ministry started at age 30, he lived three years in the ministry. And then he answered the call, of course, uh, to do all this. And he went to the cross and he died for us and shed his pure. He was under 100% God, 100% man, and he sinned not. And he was tempted and he defeated Satan. Satan didn't know what was going on yet, but he defeated Satan like Adam should have. But Jesus was creating the New Testament, the new covenant. Now, now that he's went to heaven. He's alive, and um, now we we can live free, like I said, from the sin, from the curse, um, from shame, from unforgiveness. We can live from we can live uh, um, in in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Because when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're washed by that blood. You're born again. Your old man is dead and gone. And you are a new creature in Christ and you're clothed in his robes of righteousness. You're clothed. You're one with him. He's the head 
and we're the body. He's the head and we're the church. And we go through the earth telling everybody about this kingdom where everything you've ever done is forgiven. But we have to receive Jesus in our heart and ask him to forgive us of our sins individually. And once you do that, you're in a whole nother realm. You have been set apart from this world system. You are now in two realms at once. You're in this world system in the natural, and you're in the kingdom of God system here on planet earth because it's in you. And now what you do, you pour out the kingdom of God through you into your family, into your community, into your county, into your state, in the United States and the world. That's how you, you pour the kingdom of God out and it dominates. But you're in two worlds uh, at one time. Okay, so for people, and this was a word the Lord gave me earlier, and I've got about three minutes. For people, <clears throat> the occult is rampant right now. It's 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 um it's uh, become very uh, desirable for people to dabble. It's always been there, but obviously everything's getting a little worse. But I want to talk to anybody out there because I I know you're out there because the Lord told me. But anybody that is considering getting into the occult any satanic worship or you're in it and, and you don't know how to get out or you're in it and you think you're happy. What I'm here to tell you is that if this stuff are triggers for you, the spiritual realms, um, that mystic, that magic, that, that power you think you're getting when you get involved in the occult, <clears throat> you're dead wrong. It's going to kill you. You're going to lose love, power, and a sound mind. You're going to be filled with anxiety. You're going to be filled with torment. You're going to be filled with anger. You're going to be filled with um, uh, maybe drugs, alcohol, whatever the darkness uh, decides to bring to you. You are not operating in two realms. You are operating in the flesh. This only, okay? And all you're doing is you bow to this satanic angel um satan through adam back in the day when he sold out our rights and now all he's doing is messing around with your flesh and he's gotten a hold of you and he's filled you with his darkness and his ideas and you have become his puppet okay and he's going to do to you things that aren't very nice and you're going to be very very unhappy you're going to be in darkness, and I know you are. And if you, I think you know who you are because I know God has spoken through me. So what I'm here to tell you is that for you, especially these people who have these um, desires to operate in different realms, then welcome to Jesus, man, because this is where it's at. Two realms. You live in this world with this body, and you live in the kingdom of God inside this and you have power over your mind your body your spiritual your physical your finances your family your life you have power courage boldness confidence security identity you have joy peace kindness patience long suffering you have sleep you have power over your life and you can operate and you will operate in two realms at once that's jesus welcome to you who want to mess with the spirit realm you're just off in the darkness of flesh 
where Satan is going to get a hold of you and he's going to destroy you. He's going to destroy everything you have. You will not make it. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> That's for someone out there. So we love you. That's why I'm, I'm sharing that with you. The Lord loves you. Um, Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There's many, many more there that I'm not going to cover. We are done. We're out of time. We are, our, our series eight, our part eight tomorrow is going to be our last episode on the, the power of the blood of Jesus. We will be tapping into the blood is bold, the blood destroyed the veil, and then we're going to tap into, um, that's going to be cool because you guys, what Jesus has done for us in the Father and the Holy Spirit is absolutely magnificent beyond the word says it's beyond what you can think or what you've, you've ever heard the things that he has prepared for you and me the sons of god there is nothing in god's kingdom that is not going to bless you everything god has is a blessing and peace and everything this is the way to live this is this is the journey of life, okay? <laughs> Love you. So with that, just close your eyes and say this prayer with me if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior. Father, I have come to you. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask the Holy Spirit to come. And I give you my life and I ask you to do something with it. Thank you. Bingo. Congratulations. You are in two places right now. You have been born again. If you meant it, you live in this world, in the flesh, this body, but your spirit has been born again and you are in the kingdom of God right now, right where you're at. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you were going to do tomorrow or what you did a moment ago. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's gone. It's dead and it's buried. It's, it's not even buried. It's dissipated. God doesn't even see it. When he thinks of you, he thinks of Jesus. When he sees you, he sees the robes of righteousness. And tomorrow we're going to talk about the boldness that that opens up for you. Oh, my. It's going to be super good. God bless you guys. I don't want to keep you any longer. I better end this stream. I will see you tomorrow. <laughs>